The story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? Here's adventure. Here's romance. Here's the famous Robin Hood of the Old West. Aw, just sneak in. Not me. I ain't going to church. No Sunday school today. Welcome to the Removing Confusion podcast. It's January the 10th, 2021. Today, I'm going to try to stay away from all the political mumbo-jumbo that's been going on since January 6, 2021. Actually, January 6, 2020. But uh, with all the... Unrepentant, unregenerate reprobates in Washington, D.C. on both sides of the aisle that have decided to walk this out and make a big mess out of what happened a year ago, January 6th. And those of you who don't remember, it was the Capitol Hill riot. We're not going to talk about it. Boop, dead right there. I will later in a later uh, podcast down the road, I may go ahead and opine just a little bit. I haven't really listened to the speeches that went on that day, and I'm not looking forward to that. But for your sake, those of you that don't have to do this stuff, I'll do it for you. And uh, that, that'll that be later. Um, and if you watch the news, you hear it all already, but I really don't gather a lot of great feeling doing that stuff. But what I want to talk about today has a little bit of a reflection on that. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, uh, well, it's going to be mostly a biblical talk today, and I like doing those. I believe that's my calling, uh, and that's where we're going to land today. We're going to look at some scripture. We're going to talk about some things that, you know, people just don't seem to connect a lot of times, and especially those guys that think they're so smart standing in the pulpits. You have some really good ones out there. You have some that uh, all they're worried about is filling a pew somehow, and uh, you will find that that doesn't solve the problems. If you don't teach people well, you're just filling pews with people who maybe just nominally even know Christ. And I'll leave it at that as well. I saw a quote or a, or a, or a little, you know, 
the new thing that's out, and it's it's very nicely put, I think. You know, we keep talking about the new normal, or when are we going to get back to normal? When's normal going to come back? How many shots do we have to get to hit normal? How many tests or whatever do we need to do before we can call ourselves normal again? <laughs> this was a T-shirt, actually. T-shirt. T-shirt theology. Sometimes it's not all that great. I think this time it was pretty good. Normal isn't coming back, comma, Jesus is. Pregnant pause. Normal isn't coming back, Jesus is. And you know how true that is when you really sit and think about it. I want you to consider that for a little while, uh, you know, we, we get caught up in this. We, we just want to live our lives normally again. We just want to be able to go out without being, uh, you know, hindered by a face diaper or, uh, you know, have to get this medicine for that or that for this. or that. We want it normal. We just want it. It's gone. The normal that we knew four years ago, I'll just go that far back, is gone. The normal that we knew two and a half years ago, is gone three years ago. What was it 2019? Yeah. It's gone. We are in a new realm. And it's spiritual as well. I really believe that. That everything has a spiritual aspect to it somewhere. This is the kind of thing that when you talk about that in a in a button-down church, they, they you know, oh, don't know. Because they don't want to admit that God has created this Bible that I have laying in front of me through spiritual means. And it's not presumptive. The Bible is not presumptive. It's definite. Everything that man comes up with is presumptive if it's not based on God's word. It's it's well, I presume that this is the you know, or they or they come out and try to be all definite about something. This is definitely going to happen, and then it doesn't. We definitely don't have to do this. We definitely will have to do that, and it, and it ends up being presumptive. They presume too much. They assume too much, and then they get us conditioned in their own way to go along with. Uh, and I say us in a very broad manner because there are so many others of us who are not falling for what they're selling. We see through the evil that I don't presume is there. I know it's there. Now, uh, good biblical scholars tell us, you know, we look at certain people, and I don't care who it is, Okay, but you, you, you fill in your blank however you want. But we look at certain people and we say, man, they're evil. Yeah, and then they may be. But they're being controlled somehow by, by a, an entity. And especially those that are in the levers of power. All of them have something that's guiding them. I say something in the devilish sense of it. There are those I do believe that may be they have someone who would be the Holy Spirit that guides them. And they get shut down left and right. Now, that, you know, just because you uh, 
stay the political truth doesn't mean that you're saved. But I, I think these days it's it's probably a good you know like like a friend of mine just got done talking to we were talking about fruit inspectors you inspect the fruit see what it you know is it rotten jesus said rotten fruit falls from rotten trees if a tree's bad it'll produce bad fruit it's roots how deep do they go and where do they go and hook into the bible is not presumptive it is definite God doesn't care what we presume that his word says. You know, I can sit here and presumptively bring you all kinds of opinions about what I think God's word says. And so many people do that. And I'm, I'm sure that there's times when I'm probably guilty. I try not to be. We call this removing confusion because that's exactly the term that we're trying to stick to. I don't want you to shut this off and be confused at the end unless the devil has blinded your eyes some way and now you're confused because you felt like, I knew the truth, but now the truth has smacked me in the face. John 8, 32. You shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. God expects us to search the scriptures much like the Bereans in Paul's day, to know what is true. What did they do? Paul would come and preach to the Bereans. And forgive me for not remembering exactly where that was at, Acts 17 maybe. But he would come and he, when he preached to the Bereans, they went back to their synagogues or wherever, and they searched the scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. And they came to the knowledge that it was. Okay, works for me. Now we have the canon of Scripture. Back then they didn't. They just had they had the Tanakh or the Old Testament to go by because most of the letters of Paul and the Gospels of the of the four the the three synoptic gospels and John's gospel had not yet been written. John's revelation had not been written. These people were pretty much all passed away or killed before that happened. So the canon of scripture was not the New Testament, it was the Old Testament. The Old Testament tells us many things and it reveals a lot to us as well. The old saying is, in the Old Testament is Christ concealed, in the New Testament is Christ revealed. He was really not, to me, I think, concealed, but that's that's a nice way to, to put it. It's an easy way to remember it. But uh, once we do, and we in the new common era that we live in, we know who Christ is, and we can look and say, wow, there it is. There he is. All over the Old Testament. When a Berean, who maybe didn't know these things, of course, but when, the, when his ears heard the truth and he searched the scriptures, he was like, this Paul speaks the truth. 
the ears of the reprobate, those who have no idea about Christ. Yeah, they've heard his name. They've heard Jesus the Christ, but usually it's in a curse. They, they know, though, that there was a man named Jesus. They know that there was a God or there is a God. And, but, you know, their ears haven't really been open to the gospel. They don't understand the full ramification of who Jesus is. And I'm, I, I'm sad to say there are some folks in the pews of churches who still, and I'm not saying they're not saved. I'm saying they don't know the full reality of who Jesus is. When you say, is Jesus God? Well, he's the son of God. Yes, he is. He's also God. John 1, we've gone through that many times. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. It's hard for the uh, untrained or whatever to understand. And even as we grow older in our faith, it's still, wow, that's a lot, isn't it? But that's just the way it is. He went and sat down at the right hand of God. The ears of the reprobate, they often scoff or become really enraged. When you try to bring God's word to those who are lost, and I mean those ones that are like they have their claws dug in and they don't want to let go of the old life. They want to stay with their old man self. They, they, they just Ah, no, I'm not going. Yeah, you can't. You're going to drag me away kicking and screaming. Well, God's not going to do that. Now, some, some I believe God has, you know, kind of grabbed them and said, you're coming. You ain't got a choice. I'm one of them. Those of us who have that testimony know that, you know, it's like a light switch comes on or, or, or something, but you know, you, you kind of fight it for so long. I don't want to hear your Bible stuff. I don't want to hear about God and Jesus. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. That's enough. Go away. But then there's one day when it, when it switches, still can't get that finger snapped down. But when it switches, the light comes on in your brain. When God wakens you up, you know, it, the Ephesians says in in our past, we were dead, and God put life into us through Christ. That's not a direct quote, folks. That's off the top of the head as we go. But it does say, you know, we were dead in our sins, and Christ wiped them out. So you're actually alive. You've, you're, you, you know, once you become saved, and you, you start to follow Christ or, or imitate him as well as we can in this broken fleshly body. But when we become imitators of Christ, as we become imagers, as one fellow puts it, as we become those who reflect Christ to the world, it's the first time we've been alive in our entire life. You may be 50 years old, and it's the, you get saved at, at 50 years old. You've been dead for 50 years and didn't even know it. I did a blog one time about the walking dead, you know, cause that's a big TV show that's out and talking about zombies and junk. Uh, I don't want you to watch that by the way. I'm just using an analogy, but there's a truth to some of what I'm saying here. When you're outside Christ, you're dead. Once you've been brought into the family of God, you are alive. Sin kills the 
for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And that gift is Jesus. It says God's word. Because, again, the reprobate, uh, right? They get mad. They scoff. They, they fume. They may get enraged even. Enraged is beyond mad to me. They, 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 really, they just want to hurt you, whether with words or with fists. But God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword, any two-edged sword. That's a word that gets left out of that, that verse many times. Sharper than any two-edged. There's a lot of two-edged swords out there. There's the Quran, the Book of Mormon, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses have a thousand little books that you go by. They're all two-edged swords in a way. But God's word is sharper than any of them. They're all kind of dull. When they get right down to it, it's what you have to do to be saved. It's what you have to do to have this relationship with Christ. Or they don't, most of them don't even really believe in the real Jesus. They've made up a Jesus of their own or a God of their own. Islam. I said the Quran, didn't I? They deny Christ. If you deny Christ, or even those who, like the Jehovah's Witnesses, who say they believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in the deity of him, they are antichrist. Plain and simple. They're not Christians. They're anti-Christians. They are against Jesus. They have put up someone else or something else in his place. And we, uh, we have that all around us. We have that all around us. They're reprobates, folks. Sorry. They can be the most pious people. They can be the most learned, and they go around with uh, whole, God is holy on their lips, but they don't even know who he is, and he doesn't know who they are. That's, that two-edged sword can slice to the marrow if it needs to, to divide us from the untruth. That's the thing. When you, when you get hit with God's sword, the, the Holy Scriptures, the Holy Bible, when, when it hits you, when you read it, even to this day as I read it, I read things and I'm sliced to the bone because, I, I mean, I did that. And it's not a condemnation. In, in uh, Romans 8.1, therefore there, are no, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But yet, there are things that we know in our lives that go on that we do that we should not. And God reminds us of those as we go through his word. That's, that, that's that, that the uh, sword reference is Hebrews 12. And Hebrews 12b, as we say, the second part or the latter part of Hebrews 12 says, it is piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let that sink in. This word of God that we all just carry around so flippantly, and we all do. You, I'm not trying to say, I'm. oh, I'm so holy, I don't do this. 
but we 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 sometimes do we sometimes forget what power is in that bible that we carry around what what it really represents and this is what it represents right here folks is it is a sword a two-edged short sword that is so sharp it can cut through the bones and the joints and the marrow it it separates lies from or, or i'm sorry truth from lies i want to put it that way it sounds better slicing to the things of a sunder. I mean, when you talk about a sunder, that means a wish. That's a, that's a amputation of things. It's like, you know, sometimes you need a scalpel. Sometimes you need a sword, you know, with the, with those who know the Lord and they've faltered and fell a little bit. Lord sometimes just uses the scalpel slice out that bad spot get you back on track. But when you're a reprobate, when you're lost, when you don't know the Lord for nothing, but you think you do, that's the problem. Many people think they do. They, they, they go about, you know, with the good Lord on their mouth. You know, it's like, it reminds me of coming out of the Christmas season. I always, I always have to watch, you know, old Ebenezer Scrooge or, you know, the Christmas Carol at least once. Sometimes more. There's some different versions. But, he, you know, he says, every man that goes around with the Merry Christmas on his lips should be stabbed through the heart with a bow of holly or whatever. You know, and it's awesome. The, the things that go on in that program, the, the things that Dickens wrote about in that story are, are biblically reflective. I'm not saying they're canon of Scripture, but you can reflect back and, and think, you know, of how awful he was Ebenezer and how the spirits changed him. Now, you know, that's, that's another thing altogether. That, that kind of stuff doesn't really happen. I don't think, but God's spirit will definitely change. You allow God to inhabit you and see there's where, you know, there are people, when you speak to them of the Holy spirit, they look at you like glass goes over their eyes and you say, does God live within you? Well, I invited him into my heart. But does he? Do you feel the, the pang when you sin? Do you feel the hit when you say something wrong, do something wrong? Or do you just do it and it doesn't bother you? You got a problem. Pray to God always to keep you in the word, to keep you with that nudge of the Holy Spirit, the unction to do the right thing. Jeremiah seventeen nine, one of those famous scriptures that we hear so often, the heart is desperately wicked and who can know it? I've heard preachers use that and, they, and they, I'm wondering sometimes where do they come from? What Bible college did they learn anything? Did they, did they even crack the Bible open or do they spend more time talking about how to put people in pews? Go out and win souls and you put people in pews. That's great. But once you get them there, they need to know the Lord. They need to understand his word. It's not a, it's not a system of, you know, if I put them to work in the church, they're really going to, no, I can put you to work in a church. You won't know nothing except how to clean the floors or drive the van. Don't take that serious if you're listening to me in 
you're from one of those churches or you're in that job class. We need to educate people so that they know God. I've heard somebody say, take this, this verse I just read, 17.9, Jeremiah. The heart's desperately wicked. Who can know it? And he basically said he was talking about himself. I know my heart. No, you don't. God's telling you he does. Who can know it? It's a question that ends with God knows your heart. I don't know it. I don't know my own completely. I know enough now to know that I need to stay on the straight and narrow with God. I want to. I want to serve him and do the best I can. But there are, there's folks out there who just, oh, I know my heart. I know where I'm at. He knows my heart. I had a guy sitting there drinking beer, cursing and carrying on, and somebody jumped on him about it, and he said, Lord knows my heart. I'm like, yeah, he sure does, and it's not really a, a pretty sight. I'm not all about licentious living. I know that we're going to sin. We do. We can't help it. It just happens. But folks, you know, we don't go out of our way to do it. If you would, let's look at some stuff here. I want to talk. Uh, really, I, I went around all this, and you know what? What we that that quote I had at the beginning: "Normal isn't coming back." Jesus is. There's another one from John Calvin, and you know, not a staunch Calvinist, but I can I can go along with some of it. John Calvin said, "A nation gets." When God wants to judge a nation, he gives them evil leaders. Now, there's a lot of truth to that, and I believe that Calvin pulled that straight from Bible. Now, he was more of a historian than a lot of people are as far as the scriptures go. Now, I want to read in Jeremiah 19 and verse number 3 and say... Hear ye the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place, the which whosoever heareth his ears shall tingle. Because they have forsaken me, and they have estranged this place, and have burned incense in it unto other gods, little g, whom neither they nor their fathers have known, nor the kings of Judah, and have filled this place with the blood of innocence. Let me just stop right there. And you think about this, folks. You hear this thing about God. You know, we, we formed this nation on the pillars of God and the pillars of the Bible, and it's true. But over the years, that's all washed away. You listen to these people. We've got more Catholics and and unrepentant Jews, and I'm not knocking Jews. Understand this, but you know Chuck Schumer, that, those types, and some of the other ones that have been in Feinstein and the other ones. They're 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 not real Jews, folks. They they have the Jewish blood, but they they they're not even close to Orthodox or or uh, or mosaic mosaic type Jews. They're they're just they're just unrepentant reprobates that have taken the levers of power in our nation. And they've bathed this nation in the blood of innocence. 
How many abortions have happened now? We, we will hammer that. I don't care. I talk to people now. Again, we don't judge those who have had one. God will forgive any sin except the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. Let that sink in. So you're, you're not out there if you've done any of these things. But let me say this. This is a nation who made it legal. A nation who said homosexual marriage is legal. It's a bunch of malarkey. It can't, it's not even close to being normal or legal. Or, but again, normal's not coming back. Jesus is. I'll say that three or four more times before I get done. This nation, he says right there, they've bathed the nation. They bathed this place in the blood of the innocents. They burned incense to other gods. We have allowed, I said filled this place with the blood. We've allowed so many other uh, things to come into this nation and set up shop. Now, we have the right to religion, the freedom of religion, and you know, then, then the thing of it is, is now we've got all these Muslims that are seeping into our uh, uh, Congress and Senate, and they're they're not even American. They're you know that brought up in Minnesota, and, and they're wrecking things because they want to tear this nation apart. John Calvin said, "When God wants to judge a nation, He'll give them evil leaders." You can't get much more evil than an antichrist, can you? Someone who denies the deity of Christ, someone who cares less what the Bible says because they don't even, they can't even spell Bible. Psalm 36 and verse 1, The transgression of the wicked saith within within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. He that flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. Now, you know, a lot of people do that. They love to pump themselves up. Look at me. Look what I've done. Look at it. Look at this. Uh, I'm, I'm the president of the United States. I'm the senator of Kansas. I'm whatever. I'm, I'm just throwing things out there. I'm the pastor of this church, and I run the whole show. You're not in charge. God's allowed to, allowed you to have charge of all those things. President, senator, congressman, mayor, city councilman, whatever you want to be, pastor of a church. You've been given the right and the opportunity, and God expects you to do what's right, but he isn't going to force you to do it. God knows your heart too, right? I don't know it, but God does. And we have weak leadership in a lot of those places. So weak, in fact, that we can see it all around us. We have streets filled with, with filth, literally. It used to be just the spiritual aspect of filth, you know, with pornography and whatever else. But now you get the streets of our major cities that are soaked in urine and feces. Places that people used to go for vacation and love to say, well, I was in San Francisco. I was in L.A. 
and it was it was actually nice. Yeah, there's a little smog, you know. But I got to walk on the stars, you know, and all that kind of junk. I've been to both. And back in the day, they were actually pretty decent. We're talking 15, 16 years ago. Nice places to go and just, you know, go down to the wharf and have some seafood or whatever. And, and now it's like you can't walk the streets without, you know, being afraid you'll step on a needle and poke yourself and get AIDS. It's horrible. It's deplorable. But that's what happens when you have reprobates in charge. When you have evil people who take over and God says, okay, it's what you want. I'll let you have it. I'll even give you more. Second Thessalonians chapter two says he'll send a strong delusion upon people that they'll believe a lie. Do you want to be in that group? Pray not. Wrapping up today, we're going to look at something else too. Jeremiah chapter 9, I think it is, verse 6. Thine inhabitant is the in the midst of deceit. Through deceit they refuse to know me, saith the Lord. The Lord says, Behold, I will melt them and try them, for how shall I do for the daughter of my people? I'm telling you, these are things that they're happening. These are things that were written 2,800 years ago that are still very relevant today. These things are popping up right on your front porch, folks. And again, let's let's wrap up this thing because I don't need to go on. This is I don't want to overload you. But like I said, when God wants to judge a nation, he gives that nation evil leaders. Let's just look at some real quick. Nazi Germany, huh? That's that's in a more common era. Egypt of Jesus' day, or of, uh, I'm sorry, of Moses' day. Assyria, which is actually more like Iran and Iraq, that area. Uh, Persia, which is Iran. These, these places were all guided by evil leaders, And that's what the people evidently wanted. But once they got it, they were like, what's going on? This guy's horrendous. But they'd follow him because then the fear factor comes in. This guy would ramp up a big army and a big following, and boom, you're done. If you try to go against him, you lost your head, literally. Rome. Rome goes on to today, from Jesus' day, prior to Jesus' day, all the way in through today. The uh, the uh, um, statue figure in Daniel's chapter 2, Daniel chapter 2, I think it is, uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and then Daniel comes in and interprets a dream and tells him everything that's going on right up to the huge rock that comes down and crushes it all, and that's the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ. But you notice that what we interpret to be Rome, which was the two legs left and right, the feet of miry clay and all that. Get into a lot of weeds on that, but they are Rome. And they stand for quite some time. Even to today, we have the Roman Empire, which goes on. It's not quite like it was back then, but we still have a city called the Vatican based in the middle of the city of Rome. And a billion people adhere to the Antichrist words that come out of his mouth, the man named Pope Frank. Like I was saying, 
evil leaders. God will judge a, a nation and give them evil leaders. Or maybe in our case, we now have evil slash weak leadership. Nazi Germany, uh, strong evil. Russia, still strong evil. China, you need to say more. What are we looking at future-wise? Everybody's looking forward to the midterm elections. Everybody's looking for a, a group of men to come in and change this whole thing around and get us back to where we need to be and bring us back to the new normal. There's no new normal. Well, a new normal, yeah. It probably might be worse than the old normal. Do you want to hold on for what man can give you? Or do you want to look forward to what God is going to bring? The thing of it is, is we have to go through it no matter what. We have to hold on. You know, this horse might start bucking a little bit, and we might feel every bit of it. But the thing of it is, is there is a very soon coming day of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he will come, and he'll set up his kingdom, and there won't be any of this stuff going on anymore. Hey, January 10th, Tom Richards is going to sign off now, the Removing Confusion podcast. Leave me a message. Leave me a note. Always glad to hear from you. Thank you, and God bless.